many moons. Um, I am drinking. I just want to show you. Oh shit! I didn't um, myself a drink. Like these, like you can buy these like pre-mixed cocktails, and they're really good. And I'm drinking it out of this weird Scotch yes. broth mug. The scotch broth, a food or an alcohol? There's a recipe on it. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Sounds real gross. Oh no, what is it? Um, just for the record, I'm drinking a margarita, and this is what the this is just what this says on the, yeah. the mug. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one pound neck of lamb. Oh, that's a hard one. No. <laughs> one teaspoon salt. One quart cold water. One and a half ounces pearl barley pepper. Two carrots. Two leeks. One small turnip. One stick celery. One desert spoon of parsley. Whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> what is a desert spoon? I don't have that measuring unit in my drawers. No, don't want it. <laughs> that sounds so disgusting. <laughs> yeah. So this is probably gonna be delicious. <laughs> um, how are you? It's been so it's long. Been, I feel like literally a lifetime has happened. Since I know. We last I was talking other. to Ben about this and I was like, I feel like we haven't recorded an episode in like, like seven like, years. That's how it feels I'm like, oh, shit, we have a podcast. I forgot. I know. <laughs> like, oh my God. We have people that like listen to us. I know. We invite you to join us on our hunt for all things spooky. We're here for the tricks and the treats. I'm Elise. And I'm Haley. And, and this, this is, is Easy, Easy Bake, Bake Coven. Oh, actually, oh, um, well, kind of. So people were asking about us at Ben's job. They were like, so is your wife still doing that podcast now that they've moved? And he was like, you know, yeah. they just took a week off. But yeah. Um, and then one yes. of his coworkers said, you know, there's that um, the Baker murderer in Alaska, you know, from years ago, who we'll have to cover at some point. And yep. Ben's co-workers' parents had their wedding cake made by him because <gasps> they live in Alaska. Oh, my God. I was like, yeah, We love a good true crime connection. <laughs> we love a good true crime connection. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So, basically, I'm great. How are you? Um, good. I got home from yeah. Santa Fe at, like, 2 o'clock this morning. It's crazy. And Russell's Shitty sick. Day. And Matt left at 7 a.m. to go to Texas. So, so I, like, touched his shoulder and I was like, Hello. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Love you. See you later. <laughs> See you later. That's how I felt when I got home from taking my dad from Florida yep. to Alaska, which was just insane. Mm -hmm. And then three days later, going to Washington for work, yeah. which is where I am right now in this Airbnb. Which and looks cute. It is cute, mm -hmm. but it struck me right before we recorded. I was like, uh, we're going to be talking about spooky things. And I'm I like in the woods and I don't know where anybody is. I was like, oh, I should have chosen something different. This one's pretty creepy. <laughs> no, it's good. That's why I lit a fire because it's like this, mega candle. I was going to text you and be like, make sure you light a candle. Then I was like, she's lighting a whole fire. Yeah, I need all the power. She doesn't need a candle. Get. She has a whole fire. That's many candles. It's like sucking out the demons right now. Yep. yep. <laughs> burning them up here we are ready for spooky shit um speaking of oh i have a couple things to tell people okay. including you <gasps> tell me them. um i know like, we barely talked i know it's because we've both been like, both been like living on the life. run i yeah, know real busy um first of all you need to log on to netflix and watch the john wayne gacy three-part series confessions of a killer oh yeah i haven't watched it it's He's too creepy for me i will watch it, it though. no it's really good. It good and it and because it's just three episodes it's not like yeah yeah it's not a ton. Uh -huh. um, but I mean, like, I knew who he was, but I didn't mm -hmm. know, like, in depth about him He's the way I know about Ted Bundy. Yeah, like, 33 bodies yeah. under his house. In his like, fucking, like, cellar crawl space. Yeah. Like, and the way he talked about them, like, 
he just had no i mean he was so disconnected yeah, yeah from no reality. connection mm-hmm. Mm-mm, mm-hmm. not at all like when the cops removed the bodies he was like they had no right to do that those are my property those are my bodies so terrifying just goes to show Whoa. what happens when you get hit on the head too hard as a child yeah something i remember every day you. when my kid falls down the stairs <laughs> Like we got to make up for it with a lot of affection. Cause... He can never have a cellar. <laughs> no. <laughs> Russell, it's time for your weekly crawl space inspection. Because you hit your head a that few will be times as a baby. <laughs> okay, speaking of crawl spaces, oh, um, my second this. tip for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, when I was on the road, you know, I was driving like 12-hour days. And the only thing that kept me alive was audiobooks. Oh, yeah. And I listened to the best book. <gasps> It's called, well, I listened to a couple creepy ones. The first one was Ninth House, which is really good. Ninth and House? Recommend it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like it's, fiction or? It's fiction, okay. but it's set in Yale oh, cool. at, on the Yale campus. And um, Yale campus is beautiful. They have a really cool well, cemetery. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And she talks about all these real places that when I was listening to it, I thought they weren't real. I thought she just made them up. Mm-hmm. But, but there's like are. secret societies in Oh, hell Yale. yeah. And so she makes them witchy where it's like people who are doing like, like cutting open people's bodies and like reading their organs to like tell them the future. It's real good. Oh shit. (laughs) But the, the book I really wanted to tell you about Mm -hmm. is called the Southern book club's guide to slaying vampires. Ooh. It's so good. Like it's very fun. It's funny. It's mm-hmm. it's like a dark comedy. It's just it's set in the '90s, and it's this group of women who are in a book club, mm-hmm. and they it's like our dream. It's a book club dedicated to reading true crime. So they yes. read all this, you know, murder and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then this guy moves into the neighborhood, who's just like super sketch. And one woman in the book club is like, something is off, and everyone thinks she's crazy. Oh my god! And he's a so vampire. good. Oh my god, he's a vampire. Yeah. Oh, I love it. But um. It's written so well that mm-hmm. the the author's name is Grady. Mm-hmm. Grady, I don't remember the last name, but I just, I haven't, I guess I'm an idiot. I hadn't met anyone named Grady and it's written like it's written by a woman. So I just assumed it was a woman. Oh, yeah. And then I looked at the author and I was like, this is a fucking dude. Like he is in touch with he, us and our yeah. needs. Yeah. And then I was like, is he gay? Because uh-huh. he's like how, just gotten the woman. How does he get no, the female narrative? I mean, he just... Like, I was laughing at it, thinking, like, oh, this author, you know, this like, woman gets just me. gets it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, a man? Is this my dream man? Because <laughs> he really gets my heart. Exactly. So I, very, oh, and um, the audiobook itself is amazing. The um, narrator is just fantastic. And so if you find yourself on a trip with needing to listen to something, totally recommend good it. Good to know. So good. Thank you so. for the Rex. You're welcome. And on that note, I have some creepy news you to share. Are just overachieving tonight. <sighs> well, I'm We're just doing my the job. What they need. <laughs> they've been missing what they've us. missed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks for waiting for us to return, mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually found this one organically. Love it. And it's so sad. Oh no. Um, love it. There was a lovely adorable husband and wife who were found murdered in Concord New Hampshire have you heard about this who went like went for a walk from their apartment yes yeah exactly like Like she was black he was white and Mm -hmm. they I mean that's the only thing I can think of is that it's some weird like like, hate hate crime crime. because because they like it's like they don't have any enemies no right and they moved back there three years ago because it was his hometown um but they've been together for years their names are Deswende and Stephen Reed and they were both found dead along a trail in Concord, and they'd been shot to death. His family issued this statement on Sunday. 
The children and extended family of Steve and Deswende Reed wish to express our sincere gratitude to the members of the Concord Police Department, the New Hampshire State Police, the Merrimack County Sheriff's Office, the Office of the Attorney General, and NH Fish and Game for their extraordinary efforts over the last week in the investigation of the deaths of our loved ones. Steve served four years in the Peace Corps in West Africa right after college. He met his future wife and soulmate Wendy, who was from West Africa, while she was studying in Washington, D.C. on an athletic scholarship. Oh, wow. They bonded over their mutual love of adventure and fitness. Steve and Wendy had returned three years ago to his hometown of Concord to enjoy a well-deserved retirement. Steve's 30-plus year career as an international development specialist in service to the world's most vulnerable through USAID humanitarian projects could not have been made possible without the love, care, and support of Wendy, who also helped recently resettled refugees acclimate and thrive in the United States. So They're just like really incredible sad. people with this beautiful exactly. love story. Yeah, like their work brought them together and it's just so sad. He was 67, she was 66, and they were found um, in the area of the Broken Grounds Trail, which is just off of Portsmouth Street in Concord. And they said that, you know, they had gone out for this walk and then he didn't show up for a meeting and it wasn't until the following week that they actually found them. Oh shit, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, it was was days until they found him. Um, And they don't really have any tips or leads, at least not that they've told anyone mm-hmm. about. Um, and, you know, they're, they've asked that if anyone has any information that they should contact the local police department. Oh but just so bizarre and sad. And, you know, we will provide yeah. updates as they come. Mm-hmm. I hope they find the person. I, I wonder know. if they were just like robbed, like being in the wrong place. Yeah, the wrong true. Time. I guess I, I mean, I might be totally it feels wrong. Targeted, but I think of, why do you shoot people yeah, on a trail? Right. Exactly. And like you had to have known they'd left their house. Yeah. Like, were you watching them to see when they leave? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just very sad. So mm-hmm. there's your sad true crime news for the week. You know, a lot of true crime. Most true crime is sad. It's true. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I love Kara Robinson Chamberlain. She's like my yes, favorite human. She shared this post yesterday, the day before, um, from another survivor of abduction and sexual assault who was talking about trauma-informed true crime. And I was like, oh, yeah, duh. Like, of course, that should be, right. you know, like all true crime should be trauma-informed. Right. And she talked about how she had this woman, people had done podcasts about her story without her consent. I was like, oops, good thing it wasn't me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but they, like she said, she heard people refer to this as like, oh, I love this. This is my favorite story. And oh, she's like God. the worst 12 days of my life in which I was abducted and sexually assaulted. And people assaulted. are like, this is so and fun to listen like, to. I love this one. This is my favorite one. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Things not to say. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that language. Okay. Because then I was going to be like, oh my God, I just love this story. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, no, I don't. No. No. This, this is a terrible this story. This is like very, very fascinating to me. Yeah. And it's a really confounding mystery. But it's not my favorite. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I want to be like yeah. mindful of that language. And yeah. if you're listening to our podcast and you're like, hey, your language on true crime is not right, please tell us. I'm very yeah. open to that feedback. If you're like, hey, bitch, you are very offensive. I'll be like, mother, oh, sorry. Sorry about that. I know. Sorry, I'm trying. <laughs> okay, thank you for telling me. So yeah, so I wanted to like preface with that. I feel like the most um, offensive thing we do is say fuck a lot. We do. Th- At least we I, do. Ho- I hope that's the we most do offensive do that. thing we yeah. do. Yeah, I, I think so. Oh, 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 what? <laughs> I forgot to tell you. 
oh my god, oh my tell god. Me. i meant to tell you text you so many times oh. so my dad listened to a bunch of our episodes yes, on Rick, the road thank you <laughs> he's like so he calls me one day because you know we're in separate vehicles yeah, yeah. he calls me and he's like Haley. Haley mentioned that she was <laughs> oh god i oh, know <laughs> Haley mentioned that she was going to be giving some hot takes what's a hot take <laughs> Bless you, Rick. And I was like, you know, just like, you know, like controversial something controversial. Yeah. yeah. And then he calls me another day and he's like, why would Haley get a macaroni and cheese tattoo? <laughs> Take that up with my mother, Rick, because she has the I very just, same question. I loved it. Ben was like, I love that those are the questions he has, like yeah. not yeah, details yeah, yeah. or. <laughs> that's amazing. So I feel that's what to kept him, him awake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> knowing this that's amazing so why, i can't wait why? to hear hot takes tonight <laughs> i'll i'll bring them i'll bring them right good please do okay have you heard the story of the westfield watcher before no oh my god good i'm so excited I've never i mean heard it's not my this. favorite and i'm not yeah. excited god damn it <laughs> this is like truly a fascinating story and i heard about this story like when it kind of broke in the news vaguely in 2015 oh this is recent yeah 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 oh yeah this is like contemporary i think is how i said it in a previous episode <laughs> <laughs> it's current um but at that time it was only like headlines kind of like not a lot of information okay. came out so there were like kind of clickbaity headlines that were fascinating and I remember and so you might recognize it like when I start talking you'd be like oh okay. yeah, yeah yeah I kind of remember seeing that but there wasn't a lot ton of information and then a few like a couple of years ago a lot more information came out so I read this like deep dive article by the cut I don't know maybe a year ago maybe less than a year ago about the story and I was like this is like just fascinating like it's the weirdest mystery uh and then I kind of I'm not excited it's not my favorite no I hate it I hate it (laughs) um (laughs) but then I just like you know how you don't think about things in like the context of oh like that would be a really good podcast episode. I just like my brain's not there yet it'll get there it'll get there I'm still training my brain so I was like uh when we were doing the unsolved mysteries oh yeah I came across it and I was like oh fucking duh like of course we have to talk about this like this is like really really wait so is this an unsolved story this is an unsolved (gasps) mystery this story takes place in Westfield New Jersey which um, from everything I've read, basically sounds like my dream town, essentially. Oh. It's really picturesque. It's very cute, historic homes. It's about 25 miles or like 45 minutes outside of the city, outside of New York. Oh. So there's all these beautiful craftsman homes, uh, mm. like lots of Dutch colonials, which I love. Tree-lined streets. Perfect. Definitely the kind of place that like you will find me in my retirement, hopefully. Yes. There's about 30,000 people and in the city and it received an A plus rating on this website that I found ranking cities in New Jersey. So it's like safe, good schools, whatever, commutable, like great place to live. It's kind of like on the slower side. It's very suburban. So it's mostly families, not like a lot of singles. There's not really nightlife or anything. So it's like kind of a suburban, you know, um, families, 86% white as of 2018, definitely higher socioeconomic status, like expensive, in 2018, Bloomberg rated it the 99th richest city in America. Oh, shit. So not like, you know, insane mansions, but like nice, affluent families. Did you say the name of this town yet? Westfield. Okay. Westfield, New Jersey. I've never even heard of it. I hadn't until this. Well, there's one other true crime story that happened there that I knew about, but I don't, yeah, I've never been there or anything. Hmm. 
I guess residents like to compare it to Mayberry, which is oh, the Andy Griffith mm-hmm. show. I, mm-hmm. I've never seen it before, so that meant nothing yeah. to me. But that might mean something to you like, and others. Like the the quintessential yeah, very American Americana, town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, white, totally. very quintessential yeah. American flags everywhere. Yeah. When this story happened, when it started in 2014, the website Neighborhood Scout named it the 30th safest city in the country. So it's like oh. very safe relatively they named it that year and then this shit started happening yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so one night in june 2014 a man named Derek brodus was over at his new house at 657 boulevard doing some painting him and his wife maria had just closed three days before closed on okay. the house and they were doing renovations and painting before they moved in so it was late at night Derek went outside and was like oh i'll check the mail before i leave the house so he found like, you know how you get so much spam when you buy a new house? Yeah. A bunch of spam, like junk mail. I guess you don't call it spam when it's paper mail, do you? <laughs> we just call it junk mail. That was mail. the most millennial thing. <laughs> and then I deleted all of it by putting it, it in the trash can. Inbox. He went to check his <laughs> IRL inbox outside. <laughs> so he found a bunch of junk mail and a white card shaped envelope addressed by hand to the new owner in this sort of oh, no. thick, clunky writing. So the card began. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard. Oh, and I should add, these are excerpts. It's not word for word. Some stuff has been redacted from the letters, um, but it's sort of, you get the general nub and gist. Yeah. Allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 20s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. <gasps> you don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. I asked the woods. The woods are the people who owned it before. I asked oh, the I woods. thought he meant literally. <laughs> no, 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 not the forest. <laughs> no, it's the last name of the previous owners. I asked the woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. So then it was followed by a signature, which was typed in a cursive font that said the watcher. Holy. Yeah. Balls. Yeah. Okay. So before we got to the kids part, Uh I was like, oh, this is like your dream that you'd move into a house and they would tell you it was haunted. And then I got to the kids part and I was like, (gasps) oh, no, you're haunting it. You're the one haunting it. Oh, you are the one. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine Having just spent all your money to buy a right. house, right. and then that happens. Uh-huh. Three days Holy in. Haven't even moved shit. in yet. And it's not even a ghost. It's a person. It's a real human. So, it, like, by the time he found the letter, it was after 10 p.m., and he was alone at the house Mm-mm. painting. Derek was alone. So he ran around, turned off all the lights so that no one would be able to see inside the house, and then he called the police immediately. Good, good job, mm-hmm. Derek. He said that an officer came to the house, read the letter, and said, what the fuck is this? 
thank you, officer. <laughs> like, agreed. Thank you. Maybe we won't defund you after all. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was expecting you to say, I'm sure it's a prank. <laughs> no, the officer was like, what the fuck is this? I love oh that. Oh, my God. What we were all thinking, officer. Yes. So for Derek and Maria, Maria's his wife, buying this house in Westfield was buying their dream home. Like this is what their oh, life's no. work had been kind of culminating to. Maria was raised in Westfield and actually grew up um, a few blocks away, like from this new house oh, that they just bought. Derek grew up in working class family in Maine, and he climbed the corporate ladder at this insurance company in Manhattan to become a senior vice president. And that's how they afforded the $1.3 million house. They bought it just, he just turned 40. So this is like a very exciting time for them, fulfilling their dreams. They bought this incredible mansion. It's like a beautiful house. And it's so sad before they moved in, like when they were looking at the house, they said that their kids were all excited and and talking about which fireplace they they thought Santa would use when he came because there was like a bunch of old, beautiful fireplaces in the house. Just like, yeah, what should have been a very exciting season of their lives. Yeah. Wealth inequality aside. <laughs> like, yes. you know, they, he worked hard. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. He worked hard. They to bought get this there. beautiful home. Um, earlier in the week, they had gone to the house in their Honda minivan, which the letter identified. So like I said, there's some parts that are redacted. It's not the oh. like, complete letter, but the letter identified their vehicle. Oh, and man. they brought their three kids with them, with the, which letter obviously also identified. At the time when they bought the house, their kids were five, eight, and 10. And they had been running around in the backyard with other kids from the neighborhood earlier that and week. someone's been watching them. Yeah. So that he knew that whoever wrote that letter was watching them that week when they were there. So after talking with the police, Derek rushed home to the house that they were still living in, which was also in Westfield. They had just sold their house, but obviously it hadn't closed yet. They were still living in their house. And immediately Derek and his wife Maria write write an email to John and Andrea Woods, the previous owners. Exactly. Um, And because of the line, I asked the Woods to bring me young blood or whatever. They were like, okay, do the Woods know anything about this? So the next morning, Andrew Woods replied and said that, yes, they had also received a strange letter a few days before they moved out. And they thought it was odd, but they kind of thought nothing of it and threw it away. She said the letter had made some kind of mention of watching the house through the years, but they had lived there for 23 years and they'd never received anything. She said, allegedly, she said they'd never received anything else like that. So they really didn't really think it was a big deal. So that day, the the next day after they received the letter, um, the Woods woods is the wood i don't know the forest (laughs) (laughs) the previous owners go to the police station with maria bradas because i'm guessing derek went to work so they met with a detective named leonard lugo who said do not tell anyone else about these letters because all of your neighbors are suspects oh shit he's right obviously derek and maria are very freaked out he was about to go away on a work trip and he canceled it immediately good and um i like derek right yeah like they had from my perspective, they handled it exactly as you would expect a human mm-hmm. to handle it. And there's like some controversy we'll get into later, but I think they seem like very reasonable people mm-hmm. from what I know. Right. Um, so then they would still go to the house and work on it because they were kind of like, okay, we don't really know what to do here. But they had contractors. They were doing some like minimal renovation inside, I think just kind of updating it. So they would still go to the house and Maria said that like the second the kids were out of her line of sight, she'd be calling for them in the yard. You need to stay where I can see you because it really freaked them out. Their general contractor arrived one morning to the house to find that a big heavy sign that he'd hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. (gasps) Mm -hmm. And this part is so creepy to me. Derek was showing another couple from the block around the renovation work like oh yeah you want to come in and see what we're doing he's showing them around the house and the wife goes it'll be so nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood (gasps) 
I'm sure it was absolutely unrelated because but her like, ears probably were just like ding 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 right? ding they red like, flag red flag what the fuck oh my god yeah. I'm sure it was just an innocent comment I doubt or all the neighbors are in on it or like <laughs> she's the one and she was fucking yeah. with them I kind of doubt it though but maybe like who knows it's unsolved so two weeks after the first letter arrived Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and it Check, just check the mail and immediately she recognized the thick hand lettering on the envelope and called the police oh god so, one. so this time the letter started welcome again to the, your new home at 657 boulevard the workers have been busy and i've been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings the dumpster is a nice touch have they found what is in the walls yet in time they will and then in this letter the watcher named the broadises directly but he misspelled their name so he'd heard oh. someone say their name Oh, so it's not like he'd seen any documents. He was yeah. just hearing. He just misspelled, mm-hmm. he misspelled it because he heard it. So they were like, okay, was he close enough to hear us talking to the contractors? Jeez. Was he talking to other neighbors that we'd met? Have we met him ourselves? Oh my God. So creepy. Then he boasted that he'd learned a lot about their children, identifying them by birth order, like by oh age. Oh my God. By name and by nickname. And it was the nicknames that Maria had been calling out to them in the yard when they got too far away. Yeah, Holy which I would like TBH kind of a rookie mistake in my opinion. If you know someone's watching you, maybe you don't right. yell your kid's nickname really yeah. loud out the backyard. But mm-hmm. it's also like their backyard. She's like, right. I'm going to yell for my kids. Also, like, what is in the walls? Yeah, I think it's literally just the person trying to fuck with them. Like there's They've nothing never found actually anything. there. They've never found anything. Wow. Um, he said, I'm pleased to know your names now and the names of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. Then the watcher singled out one of their children and asked, is she the artist in the family? Because she'd been using an art easel on an enclosed porch in their house. Oh, their daughter. my God. So creepy. What would you do? What? Like you. Uh, They're literally you fucked. Do? They're so fucked. Would you. Yeah. Oh I would God. burn the house down and collect the insurance <laughs> money, but I'd make it look like an accident. An accident. Yeah. You make it look like he did it. The guy writing the yeah. letters. The watcher burned the house down. <laughs> yeah. So the same letter also said, um, 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Oh my God. Will they sleep in the attic or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All this the windows, is disgusting. Right? All the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Bratis family, spelled incorrectly. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Who is this guy? Like the fucking Phantom of the Opera? Right? I'm like, like that's what he sounds dramatic. like. You're taking like, yourself a little too Leave seriously. me my box seat so I can watch you from your windows. <laughs> like, you Christine Daae, you will I, exactly, not go with that guy with the long exactly. hair. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what he sounds like. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, if it would be like if you could see the incel in his basement typing the letter, it would be like pathetic. But because you yeah. don't know who the fuck it is, right. it's terrifying. 
suddenly music of the night is streaming through the walls. <laughs> In sleep he sang to me. <laughs> so good. So Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to the house. They were like, we're not even sure if we're ever going to move in. A few weeks later, a third letter arrived. Where have you gone to? The watcher wrote, 657 Boulevard is missing you. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So, like, we understand in the Pacific Northwest, and I know anyone else who lives in a big city in America gets it right now. Uh, Real estate market is fucking crazy. Yeah. The same for Westfield when they bought the house in 2014. Someone who spoke to the cut anonymously shared a story about a friend losing out on a house in the area that went $300,000 over asking. Mm, it's like not that, that uncommon here, you right? Um, the boulevard is a wide tree-lined street and it's kind of like the crown jewel of this idyllic little community. And 657 Boulevard is the grandest house on the block. It's the, it's the nicest house really? on the street. Yeah. So it was built in 1905. It has six bedrooms, four bathrooms, and it's like 3,900 square feet. Wow. It's really beautiful. It's stunning. I'll send you photos of it. When the Woods put the house on the market, they received a bunch of offers over asking. So at first, Derek and Maria were like, is the watcher someone who's like bitter about not, oh, right. not that getting the house? Sense. Yeah, someone who lost out. But then Andrea Woods told them that one of the people who had offered had backed out because right after they got a really serious medical diagnosis. So they didn't actually mm. want the house. And then another person had found another home instead. So there wasn't anyone who like they bitterly beat out right you know who right. was upset um she said the fact that they mentioned the contractors and that they n mentioned the kids names from her perspective she thought it was more likely to be someone in the neighborhood and i yeah. agree with or that. what if it's like a contractor what if someone true. is like on the team true and they're jealous because they mentioned the wealth yeah and yeah. so and like what if they're jealous up, is, is yeah. someone who is like hates hates people who are really wealthy yeah or a lot of anger the letters have been had been processed in Kearney, Kearney. I don't know. It's a town or a, like a postal center in northern New Jersey. So it had been sent from somewhere in northern New Jersey, basically in the area. The first letter had been postmarked on June fourth, which was before the sale of the house went public, <gasps> and only a day after the first contractors arrived. So it may have been that whoever it was like lives wow. on the street, saw contractors, right. and wrote and sent the letter that day, or like you know postmarked it the next day put it in the mailbox the next day also weird the renovations were mostly interior and so people in the neighborhood said that like there was no disruption there wasn't it wasn't like loud construction or anything like that um you couldn't even they weren't even changing the outside of the house at mm. all basically when Derek and Maria walked Detective Lugo around the house they showed him the easel on the porch that the watcher had um like referenced in the letter and basically you could see that it was hidden by trees and shrubs from the front so it had to be someone behind or to the side of the house or inside it a or contractor yes yep <laughs> true so sort of going back in time a few weeks a few days after the first letter had arrived the family had been invited to a barbecue across the street from um, another new family had just moved into the neighborhood so there was like a neighborhood barbecue and it's really sad they talked about how instead of being excited to meet new neighbors they were on crazy high alert to like try and see if anyone in the crowd had been the one to write the letter and maria said that the neighbors probably thought she was crazy because she literally wouldn't let the kids out of her sight like if they oh. left her side she'd bark at well, them i don't like, Come blame back. her mm -hmm. and right the police had told them not to tell anyone so they just kept it to themselves mm. so at this barbecue derek starts talking to their next door neighbor john schmidt who lives Oh, no, he lives two houses down from them. And John starts telling them about the neighbor that, 
like their shared neighbor in between their house. So it goes 657, this crazy neighbor, and then John. And they're called the Langford family. So Peggy Langford was the matriarch, and she was in her 90s. And several of her adult children, who were all in their 60s, lived in the house with her. And they were like the weirdos of the neighborhood. John told Derek that the family was a little bit odd, but he said they were really harmless. And he described her 60-year-old son, Michael, as kind of a Boo Radley character. Who's that? Um, I recognize the name. From To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yes, Uh yes, 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 Uh yes, yes, yes. So Derek is like, okay, obviously that's him. Their house is right next door. It's in perfect view of the art easel. And you're telling me that he's a weirdo. The Langfords had lived in their house since the 60s when the watcher said that his father had begun watching the house. Oh, it makes so much sense. And then Richard Langford, the patriarch of the family, had died 12 years earlier. And the watcher had said in the letter that he'd been on the job for the better part of two decades. 12 years is not the better part of two decades, but... Maybe but if you're an idiot, idiot. <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> so right away Derek and Maria go to tell Detective Lugo about the Langfords and he's like yeah I already talked to this guy last week like I'm good at my job oh. I know what I'm doing so a week after the first letter had arrived Lugo brought in Michael Langford for questioning and Michael denied knowing anything about the letters but that being said the Broadus has said that Lugo had told them the narrative of what Michael Langford said in his interview, like with the police, matched the narrative of the letters perfectly. And I don't know, like he didn't give specifics, but I imagine that he probably talked about how like these rich people are moving in next door and changing the house. And we've been here since the 60s. You live there. You live in the same neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Unless he's like, I'm not rich. I just was born here. Maybe. Right. He lives with his mom. He's 60. Yeah. Yeah, True. Yeah. um, You could see him being kind of like a... Yeah. Sad basement dweller type. And apparently he's like really weird. Ment- he's very mentally ill. So Lugo apparently said to them, this isn't CSI Westfield. When the wife is dead, it's the husband. Which I take as him meaning like there's an obvious answer. It's the weirdo next door who can yeah. literally see the art Occam's easel. razor. The yeah. easiest answer is the most obvious answer. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So I think that was him kind of saying. And he said... You're not going to receive another letter after I talk to him. He was pretty confident that this was his guy. But unfortunately, because there's literally no hard evidence, after a few weeks, the police chief basically just told them there's nothing I can do. This is a quote from Derek. This is someone who threatened my kids and the police are saying probably nothing's going to happen. Probably isn't good enough for me. Mm-mm. After the second letter, Derek told the cops that if they didn't take care of the situation, they would have a different kind of case on their hands. And he said, this person attacked my family and where I'm from, if you do that, you get your ass beat. Way to go, Derek. Uh-huh. He's like, I'm going to fucking protect my family. Yeah. So. Also, it's not just like someone that's jealous or doesn't like rich people. Like he's threatening children. Right. And like naming their kids. And Yeah. Oh, so Like creepy. watching your children. Oh, so creepy. So they were like, okay, the police aren't going to do anything for us. We're going to take the investigation into our own hands. And Derek became essentially obsessed. And we'll see, like, for the next number of years, it kind of took up his whole life. He set up webcams in the house. And at night, he would go to the house and crouch in the windows in the pitch black just to see if he could see anything. Like, to see if he could see anyone watching or, like, see binoculars or It's like some paranormal activity shit. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. He created a map displaying when each of the neighbors had moved in. So he, like, kind of graphed it out. And the Langfords were the only ones that were there since the 60s and then he also made overlays marking possible sight lines for the easel and a circle of what he called approximate range of earshot to basically estimate who could have heard maria yelling the kids names who could have seen the easel and who's lived there since the 60s and there was a few houses that fit that criteria although 
I think the, the um, Langfords were the only ones who'd lived there since the 60s, but there were other people who could have heard and seen the easel. But like just a few houses, right? That would that would be possible. So they also hired a team of experts to assist with their investigation. They hired a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood. He did a background check on the Langfords. He didn't find anything. Derek was on a high school board of trustees with a former FBI agent who had served as the inspiration for Clarice Starling in the Silence of the Lambs. <gasps> Bad like, ass. Literally, like, who are you and how do I become Dream friends with team. you? Dream right? team. So he reached out to her, but it doesn't say anywhere if she actually, like, helped him with anything or if that was just, oh. like, he was just trying to reach out to every person. Yeah. I think it's sort of just supposed to illustrate he's trying to pursue every yeah. possible pathway that he can. Um, they hired a guy named Robert Lenahan, who is a former FBI agent to conduct what he called a threat assessment. So, um, and also just to like help them investigate. So he said he found several, what he called ticks in the letters that were sort of old fashioned style that he said would point to an older writer. So Hmm. the envelope was addressed to M slash M Braddis, which I'm assuming is like Mr. Slash Mrs. But I've literally never seen it written that way. So Mm -hmm. like quite old, old style. He said that the salutations in the letter included the day's weather. So one of them, it was like warm and humid today. And one of them was like sunny and cool for a summer day, which I guess like people used to do that when they would write letters back in the day. Oh, the sentences had double spaces between them, which I remember. Oh, like lines on the paper. Um, you know, like when you do a period when I was a kid, we were taught, because this is like typewriter etiquette, that you do two spaces before you start Oh, the these sentence. were typed. Yeah, these are typed. Oh, I thought they were handwritten. No, they were typed. Oh. The envelopes were handwritten. Okay. Um, but the letters themselves were typed, mm-hmm. I think. Um, he said that the letters had a certain literary panache, which suggested oh. a voracious reader. And he said that he was surprised by the lack of profanity given the level of anger. So usually when you see that much rage, yeah. there's cussing. So he said he thought it meant a less macho writer. But that could also just be a more traditional right. person or a religious person. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons people don't cuss. Or someone just trying to sound one way. Exactly. Like, someone who's like, I'm going to model this based on this. Right. Right. Um, I guess there's actually a movie called The Watcher starring Keanu Reeves and he's a serial killer who stalks the detective trying to catch him. So he oh. wondered if that's where like The Watcher title mm, came from because mm-hmm. the person is signing the letters The Watcher. Um, and he, Lenahan didn't think that The Watcher was likely to act on the threats. He said he didn't think, he thought it was just someone trying to fuck with them and or intimidate them. But he also said that the letters had enough typos and errors that conveyed a certain erraticism to him. So like, I guess this he wasn't unpredictable. such a proficient reader. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? The first letter was dated Tuesday, June 4th, but June 4th was a Wednesday that year. And he also said that there was a seething anger directed at the wealthy in particular. The watcher was upset by new money coming to town. One of the letters said, are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield? Oh my and God. he said that he was very upset by the Broadus's relatively modest renovations. Like I said, by all accounts, it sounds like they weren't like doing anything majorly cosmetic. They were right. just updating the inside of the house, painting, stuff like that. This is one of, this is an excerpt from another one of the letters. 
The house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Ugh. Just so fucking weird. Wait, so he sent more letters arrived after yeah. the guy said there wouldn't be any more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's mm. that's kind of why one reason they said it wasn't Langford, because he thought the police officer or the detective Lugo thought that he had done a good job of intimidating him and was like, there's no way this guy's ballsy enough to send another letter. Why didn't they go into his house and like look and see if he had those kind of envelopes? They will like further investigate. We'll get okay. into like their... Mm-hmm. Okay. So then Lenahan, this private, or the guy that they hired who's a retired FBI agent, suggested looking at former housekeepers or people who used to work in the house who might be bitter mm. that they like loved it and couldn't afford to live there. Um, but all of that said, the focus in the investigation was still mostly the Langford family, which I put, in my opinion, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. It just kind of seems to add up, you know? Yeah. So the Westfield police with the Broaddus family came up with this plan to send a letter to the Langfords telling them that the house was going to be torn down just to see like what they would respond like. Like if it would prompt another angry letter and then they'd be like, well, that's the only people that we told. But they did that and basically nothing happened. Hmm. So then Detective Lugo brought Michael Langford in for a second interview, but nothing really came of it. And then his sister, Abby, accused the police of harassing their family. So eventually, the Broadduses hired a lawyer named Lee Levitt, who met with several members of the Langford family as well as their attorney, and he showed them the letters, along with photos explaining how their home was one of the few vantage points from which the easel could be seen. And the author of the Cut article spoke with Levitt, the attorney, who said the meeting was very tense, and the Langfords insisted that Michael was innocent. And huh. like that was that, basically. They didn't have any other hard evidence. So by this time... It's really sad. Derek and Maria are kind of losing it. They're both just like yeah. coming unglued. They're terribly ruining their marriage. That they were fighting all the time. Mm-hmm. They both reported having horrible nightmares. Uh, Maria would have nightmares of like someone coming to attack her kids with a pitchfork oh and God. she couldn't get to them in time. Um, Derek had nightmares where he was insisting that Peggy Langford, the sister, um, build an eight foot wall around their house. And they basically said they were obsessively Googling anyone that they thought looked at them sideways. Aww. Maria said she'd be in Trader Joe's and someone would look at her kids for too long and she'd be like, is that the watcher? Why are they looking oh at my kids? Oh my God. Right? Just like, it just was all consuming. Yeah. Because they're like, who the fuck is watching our family? Yeah, you'd have no idea. Mm-hmm. So all of that being said about the Langfords, they were also exploring other suspects too. And like I said before, one point that the police brought up is that they spoke to Michael after the first letter and they thought it would be really unlikely after that confrontation that he would continue sending letters. So either he's a lot more ballsy than they expected or it's coming from someone else. Who knows, right? Yeah. Also, he wasn't the only weirdo in their neighborhood. The private investigator found two registered child sex offenders within a few blocks. Which in I the millionaire's neighborhood? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. And then this one is really interesting to me. And I feel like should have been followed up on further. Their house painter, Bill Woodward, had notified them of something kind of creepy that he discovered. The couple behind their house, directly behind their house, kept a pair of lawn chairs strangely close to the Broaddus' property, really close Mm. to their fence. And um, Bill 
Woodward, the painter, said, One day I was looking out the window and I saw this older guy sitting in one of the chairs. He wasn't facing his house. He was facing the Broadduses. So the guy behind them is sitting in a lawn chair just looking at their house. Kind of like a watcher might do. Kind of like Mm -hmm. a watcher. Despite all of that craziness, by the end of 2014, the trail had run cold. There was no fingerprints, no digital trail to follow. Basically, they were like anyone in northern New Jersey could have sent the letters. The police and investigators felt either that they could comb through the letters carefully for clues or they could just be insane ramblings of a crazy person, right? The um, the guy named Scott Krause, who helped investigate the case for the Union County Prosecutor's Office, said it was like trying to find a needle in a haystack. You right. Know, they just felt like totally lost. So in December... But he hadn't, he hadn't like done anything physical though, no, right? Nothing had letters. ever been done. He just sent letters. So I guess at some point you'd have to just be like, well... Either he's going to do it or he's not. Right. And we mm-hmm. just have to let it go, mm-hmm. which that would be so hard. Right? But like, what else do you do? What else do you do? So December of that year, the Westfield police told the Broadduses that they'd run out of options. Derek showed the letters to his priest and the priest agreed to bless their house. He was like, what the fuck else do we do? Right. So the renovations are actually done within a few months, but the Broadduses did not feel safe moving in. They were exploring all these options to make the house feel safer. They were going to buy a trained German Shepherd guard dog. They posted a job advertisement for someone in the military to come work out in their backyard every day. What? If you're really strong and you are going to work out, we'll pay you to just do it in our backyard. Was Derek gay? (laughs) So weird. (laughs) So I I guess they're just trying to be like, we can be intimidating too. But instead I'm like, what? No, that that just looks weird. That one kind of (laughs) missed. Occasionally, their alarm system would get triggered in the middle of the night, and Derek would go with a knife. Oh, man. So Maria said, at the end of the day, it came down to, what are you willing to risk? We weren't going to put our kids in harm's way. Bill Woodward, that home painter, he told the cut, the person who wrote the cut article, they were so joyous about their new home, and then within days, they were petrified. I'm a stranger, and Maria was crying and shaking in my arms. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. While they were trying to figure out what the hell to do, the letters started getting more and more unhinged. So this oh, is really? One. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? You used to be my friend and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Fucking creepy. Unhinged. So... What I wrote here is, by this point, I think it's safe to say the Watcher was truly ruining their lives. Yes. They'd already sold their house, so they moved in with Maria's parents while they were still maintaining 657 Boulevard and paying mortgage and property taxes. Oh, my God. Derek talks about getting up at 5 a.m., going to shovel the driveway at the Boulevard house, then going back to Maria's parents and shoveling their driveway. And he was just like, I just felt like dehumanized, you know? Because the police instructed them not to tell anyone about the letters, they couldn't even tell their friends why they hadn't moved in. So when people were like, why haven't you moved into your new house? They would say, oh, it's just legal troubles. So all their friends started thinking that they were getting a divorce. Oh, right? no. They were both taking sleep medication to sleep at night. Maria Honestly, went to- I think I would have moved in. Really? I think I would have been like, fuck this guy. Let him come at me. 
maybe I'll leave my kids at my parents. But we're fu- like just for a yeah. couple weeks, but yeah. I'm not letting this fucker There's ruin a quote, this. I don't know if I put it in here. If I did, I'll read it to you when we get to it. But where Derek was like, we could take the chance, but what if, what if yeah, he did something true. to the kids? That was like their, that was their sort of line of yeah. thinking was like, we could, but what if this person yeah. showed up and hurt the kids and they had warned us that it was going to happen kind of thing. Yeah. So I kind of understand both yeah, like, I get it. perspectives. Like if someone threatened Russell, I don't know that I would ever move in. If they threatened me, I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck you. But then, yeah. Yeah. Like when they're, if they named your kid and talked yeah, about how he was, weird. if someone was like, I see Russell in the backyard, like playing with his construction buddies. That's what he calls his construction vehicles. I'd be like, Aww. I'd be like, we're, we're moving. We're leaving the country. You know, I would feel like I would want to set up like game cams and ring cameras. And I'd be like, all right, Russell was out there at this time. Right. And I need to like be looking like, yeah, around I think at this point because he, he had webcams in the house but he didn't have security cameras yet oh my but god I mean, that would be the first I would have thing 7, i would do thousand security cameras. yes and i like, would have the like, ring camera circles yes 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 so they and would the, get, like, i would be on my mm-hmm. phone watching the ring camera all day long like literally all day every day yes i'm trying to think 2014 also, ring cameras were a thing right also Fuck not telling the neighbors at this point. I would be going door to door and being like, hey, is this you? Right? Are you the one sending these fucking letters about I'm my kids? I'm not going to be intimidated. Yeah. N- no. I like, I will come at you. I understand why the police wanted to keep details. Yes. But at, at some first. point, it's like, it's not working anymore. Yeah. Well, and the cops weren't doing anything anymore. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, all right, mm-hmm. mama bear has to come out. Right. So Maria went to her routine doctor's office visit. And when the doctor said, how are you? She just burst into tears. So he oh. referred her to a therapist who told her that she had PTSD and it wouldn't be resolved until they got rid of the house. Oh, my God. Yeah, they were just fucked up by it. Well, yeah, she's just like constantly living it over and yeah. over and yeah. over. So six months after the first letter arrived, they decide we're going to sell the house. They first listed it for more than they paid for it because of all the renovations that they'd done. But rumors were rampant around the city about why the house had sat empty for months. So one broker emailed to say that her client loved it, but that, quote, there are so many unsubstantiated rumors flying around, ranging from sexual predator to stalker, and that we need to know more. So the Broadduses sent a partial disclosure mentioning the letters to interested buyers, and they told Coldwell Banker, their realtor, like you know the their broker that they would show the full letters to anyone who had an accepted offer so several people offered like way below asking oh my god but the broadduses first of all weren't ready to take such a big financial hit and also they only wanted to share the letters with someone they thought was going to be likely to buy the house so they Mm -hmm. were like no so um then they lowered the price still no one wanted to buy it a Coldwell agent who hadn't read the letters told them in an email that they were being unnecessarily forthcoming. She said, my friend got horrible threatening letters about her dog barking and she didn't think to disclose. But they insisted, no, we're going to tell anyone before we buy this house. Derek said, I don't think how you lived through what we did and think you could do it to someone else. Mm, I still like Derek. Way yeah. to go, Derek. Yep. So on that note, they were like, why the fuck didn't the woods ever disclose anything to us? <gasps> right. From the Woods' perspective, they said the letter that they received was more strange than threatening and that it had just thanked them for taking care of the house for so many years. They said they never felt watched or threatened. They rarely locked their doors. They're both retired scientists, so like they're bright people. They're not idiots. Right. Um, from the broadest perspective, a letter from someone called The Watcher, signed from The Watcher, seemed ominous enough to warrant a mention. So is that what their letter was signed? Yeah. The, the Watcher. The Woods got that. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, I would think that's worth mentioning. Right? So one year after they bought the house, they filed a lawsuit against the woods. I think like, I don't know that they, in their heart of hearts actually hold the woods like responsible or accountable mm-hmm. for this. But I think they kind of had no other options. They're right. like, we can't sell it. Do? We're not going to move in. So they're just trying to make up for the financial losses that they were yeah. experiencing. That's my guess. They're just kind of trying to utilize anything that they have available to them. So on June 2nd of 2015, they filed a legal complaint against the woods, arguing that they should have disclosed the letter. And like, just as they had disclosed that sometimes water got in the basement. Right. The, the Broadus has said that they hope to reach a quiet settlement. Their kids still didn't know about the watcher. They never told their children at that point. Oh, wow. And their lawyer assured them that at most a small legal newswire might pick up the story. Unfortunately for them. <laughs> that was not the case. That was not the case. So a local news reporter found out about the legal complaint, which included some quotes from the letters. It was never the letters in full, but some quotes. Mm-hmm. And Derek and Maria tried to seal the complaint. They were like, no, 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 no. We don't want this to get out. But it failed and it went viral. Mm. That's when I heard about it in 2015 and reading these kind of vague articles that were not very in depth, but just like enough with yeah. some of the quotes um, enough to make you go, excuse me, like, what, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Overnight, there was news trucks out parked outside the house. One reporter set up a lawn chair to do a stakeout to see if he could catch the watcher. Oh my they got gosh. more than 300 media requests, but declined all of them. Um, because they were like, we don't want this attention. Like, this is our children. We don't want any of this. And like I said, at this point, they still hadn't even told their kids. Right. So now people are parked outside of the house. They actually left Westfield entirely and went to stay at a friend's house at the beach just to escape all the frenzy. And as soon as they got there, Maria's grandfather had a heart attack and the friend that they were staying with had a grand mal seizure. Oh my God. Because of course, right? Of course that'll happen. So eventually they were just like, we have to tell the kids. So they sat down with the kids and explained to them that was going on. There's this really sad quote about um, like, how do you tell your kids that there's a boogeyman out there who's obsessed with you basically? So sad. So two really big things happened once the story broke. The first of which is that internet sleuths were like on the case and were going to solve it. Believe it or not, they didn't solve it. Amazing. And the second is that everyone and their mother with very limited information and without the full like text of the letters had come up with very strong opinions about what happened and what the family should or shouldn't have done. Of course. Of course. So a Just group, like I have done during this Obviously, podcast. that's our job. <laughs> that is our job. So a group of Redditors became convinced that on Google Street View, like on the, you know, on like the Street View image of the house, you could see someone sitting in a car with a camera pointed at the house. So they just what? didn't figure out who owned that car. But then other people were like, that's obviously just a pixelated glare. There's obviously oh not God. someone with a camera um, sitting. Also, what are the chances that Google would have gone and taken those right pictures again person, right at that time? Yeah. So this is a quote from the cut article. The range of proposed suspects included a jilted mistress, a spurned realtor, a local high schooler's creative writing project, guerrilla marketing for a horror movie, and quote unquote, mall goths having fun. Wow. So basically, I think people this is a little above um, the pay grade of mall goths. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? I don't, I don't right? think those hot topic nerds are doing well, this. And like, <laughs> if it was, how the fuck did they get the names of the kids? Yeah. And they saw that the one daughter was painting with an easel on an enclosed porch. Yeah. That's what I, I keep going back to. That. It's not a mm-hmm. prank. Mm-mm. So, but that, that wasn't all out at the time, right? Like all of the specific right. details were not released at that time in the legal complaint. A lot of people on the internet said that they were whims for never moving in and that they would never let someone terrorize their family like that. Hmm. Like I I said, none of those people. Like I just said. (laughs) (laughs) 
but no you were like i think i would move in you weren't like yeah oh my god like people no, were like they I'm not are hating pathetic how could they I let do someone have one terrorize thought, their family uh-huh. when you said that you know they wish that they disclosed the letter mm-hmm. i feel like the letter that the woods got if I were so excited to move into a house and mm-hmm. I was told about that letter, the way the woods received it, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, yeah, like that's oh. weird, but whatever. Someone I said, think they thank you for watching the house in. for the last 23 years. Right. Da, 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 like, like, that's nice. Hey, Someone weird. else loves it. Like I do. Yeah, some weirdo. Like, so I don't feel like, especially when it's your dream house. Exactly. You know? Like, I don't think had they disclosed no. it the way they wanted no. them to, it would have changed the I, outcome. No, I agree all. with that. Totally. Yeah. Um, it really bothered Derek that all these people were calling him a wimp online because yeah. he was like it's really easy to say but what if i until it what if we moved in and something happened to our kids i would never forgive myself yeah. so while this is all blowing up nationally nationally all the local neighbors on the street are like wait what the fuck because they were finding out about it at the same time as <gasps> right. everyone else they didn't know it's because the detectives told them not to tell anyone so on one hand i understand why they didn't tell anyone but then on the other hand a group of local homeowners on the block and like in the surrounding area had wrote um wrote together a letter to one of the local papers and one of their quotes was we are confounded as to how a thorough investigation can be conducted without talking to all the neighbors with proximity to the home so the police never interviewed other neighbors wow to be like have you seen anything like is there anyone really weird on the block nothing that's bizarre so because of all this national attention the police department's like oh shit we better look into this again you know Mm. so they ask um a guy named baron Chambliss. okay that's where we're going with (laughs) love it was a veteran detective in the westfield police department to look at the case in 2018 he was quoted as saying the broadest is our victims and i don't think they got the support that they needed so he looked back into Michael Langford again, found out that Michael Langford had been diagnosed with schizophrenia as a young person, oh. which to me kind of lines up with a lot of the stuff that this guy's saying. Yeah. Paranoid. It's grandiose. Mm-hmm. You know, becoming it's more unhinged. nonsensical. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Not in touch with reality. Clearly. Mm-hmm. He talked to a ton of neighbors and they all told him that they didn't think Michael was capable of writing the letters and that he was harmless and he was really weird. They said that he would do things like walk through people's yards and look through their windows while they were renovating. Uh, Hello. Which to me, I wrote, to me, that's kind of a red flag, but whatever. (laughs) Also, like, I hate when they're like, well, I don't think that he could do it. So he probably didn't do it. You know, like a lot of people. How many rapists have had that said about them? How many people were like, no, Ted Bundy is a really cool guy. He was so handsome and nice. He was really charming. Yeah. He also killed people. Had right. sex with their corpses months not later. Not my Teddy. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, what? I, okay, I don't really care if some neighbor right. said that he was harmless. He's harmless no. to you. Until he's not. Exactly. Um, then Cham- Chambliss, the investigator, um, had DNA analysis done on one of the envelopes and he discovered female DNA. So it doesn't <gasps> say if it was like if they tested the saliva on the envelope or... I don't know. I just don't know if I find it super reliable because mail goes through so many hands, you know? Sure. Like, they're, true, I, don't know. True, true. I feel like there's a lot of ways that DNA could show up on an envelope, but mm-hmm. maybe it was the saliva. Um, so then they were like looking at Michael's sister, Peggy. She was a realtor and they were like, maybe she's pissed off that they didn't ask her to list the house. But she also worked a retail job part time. So it's so sad. She's 60 and she's a realtor and she also worked at Lord and Taylor in the mall. And she lives with her mom. And she lives with her mother. So um, Sean Bliss got the security guard at the mall to grab her water bottle after she threw it in the trash one day. So they got her DNA. Hell yeah. And it wasn't a match for the DNA. Oh. 
So this sounds. This is like just like me watching an episode of Forensic Files mm-hmm. at the hotel mm-hmm. and just like mm-hmm. on the edge of my seat. Like, like is it a match? <laughs> <laughs> no, not a match. So not long after this, the prosecutor's office gave Derek and Maria some unexpected news. They wouldn't say why or how, but they said we've ruled out the Langfords as suspects. Oh my god! For me, that's not good enough. Why right? are police so cagey? Like, like, th- then how do you know? Let me know. Yeah. So interestingly. The Broadduses had recently told the prosecutors that they were planning to file civil charges against the Langfords. So they wondered if the prosecutors were lying to prevent the story from blowing up again because it would look even worse on the town. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So left with a dead end again, the Broadduses open up their own investigation again. They walk down the block with a photo of one of the envelopes to see if anyone recognized the handwriting. They were like, fuck it. They went door to door in the neighborhood. They hired a security firm to look for handwriting matches didn't find anything they hired a local linguist to look at blogs and other local writers to see if the language matched the language used in the letters nothing and i don't really know if i trust this guy's expertise because he suggested that the writer might watch game of thrones because Jon snow was a watcher on the wall maybe that's where watcher came from oh you're just fucking not as hot as Jon snow i can tell you that for sure Like, you're just grasping at straws here. Yeah. Like, that's not rooted in Well, reality. I guess what else do you do, though? Yeah. Like, there's only straws to grasp. There's nothing mm-hmm. else. Derek tried to hire, like, some tech person that he knew from, like, a mutual connection to see if they could hack into the neighbor's Wi-Fi to hack into their computers and look for incriminating documents. But then he found out that it was both impossible and illegal. And illegal. That's what I was going to say. I was like, Derek is getting into Derek's, some bad uh, Derek's territory. also unhinged. Yeah. So... The cops were also back at square one. They asked Andrea Woods, the woman that they'd bought the house from, for a DNA sample. And they interviewed her 21-year-old son. And they were, like, shocked. Like, well, you're looking at us now. But I think the cops were just looking at literally anybody. Yeah. During this phase of the investigation, Shambliss found out that around the same time the Broadduses had received their first letter, another family on the boulevard got a similar note from the watcher. <gasps> What? Right? The parents of that family had lived in their house for years and their kids were grown. So they threw the letter away just like the Woods family had. But after the news broke about the watcher, one of their kids, one of their grown kids posted about the letter on Facebook and then deleted the post. But someone saw it and went and spoke to the family and they confirmed that their letter had been similar to the Broadduses. But basically, you don't know the... Go ahead. If I found that out, I would definitely move in. I'd be like, like, okay, this person's crazy and they're fucking with the whole neighborhood and I'm moving into my dream house. It's a crazy person. Yes. I think it's, I mean, I guess I'll just share my theory. I think it's Michael Langford. I think it's the schizophrenic guy next door. That's what I think. I think you're right. Um, But I totally understand the instinct of like, okay, but we know he's crazy. And what if he like ran into the fucking yard with a hatchet and hacked right. up our kid yes you know? yes because he's unpredictable valid. and maybe yes. he won't do anything but what if he fucking does then i would right. never forgive myself so basically this other letter was not helpful they didn't have it anymore they didn't have like you know the words they just threw it away so it basically just made the case more confusing oh my god one night th- this is just like how desperate they were to find any kind of lead Shambliss and his partner were sitting in the back of a van parked on the boulevard watching the house with binoculars just like surveilling just to see to try and catch some lead and around 11 p.m a car stopped in front of the house long enough for Shambliss to be like mm, a little suspicious that seems weird so they traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on that block and the woman told Shambliss that her boyfriend was into some really dark video games, including one in which the he would play as a specific character called The Watcher. 
according to oh Shamless's God. I Like, I think this is almost like satanic panic. Like a teenager mm-hmm. playing dark, mm-hmm. mysterious video games. Like, Was his name Matthew? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Matt and I need to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like some a car that slowed down on the street in front of their house. Right. Also, well, also it's gotten so much media Exactly. Attention. I would slow down on the street yeah, in front of like, that house. Yeah, that's the house. If you're a spooky yeah. teenager, I'd be like, oh my mm-hmm. God. They mm-hmm. said that like people would like dare each other to walk by it on Halloween. It became like a legend in the town. And they still own it this whole time. Yep. Oh so the God. boyfriend in this stupid scenario was living somewhere else at the time. And he said he agreed to come in for an interview on two separate occasions, but he never did. He didn't show up. And Chambliss didn't really have enough evidence to try and compel him. So the media attention started dying down again. So he basically just dropped the case and was like, whatever. So this is where it becomes really shitty to me. And I kind of skipped over some of this because it's like really long. It's in depth. The cut article is really good. Um, if you were like, oh my God, I want more information on this story. But basically, I think what happened was it's really terrifying for people to know that they live in a town where that's happening. And it's like so mysterious and confusing. So people in the town decided that it had to be a hoax perpetrated by the Broadus family, that they made it all up. <gasps> Yeah. They turned it on to the Broadduses? Yeah. So as the theory went from people who lived in the town, they said that the Broadduses had either suffered buyer's remorse or realized that they couldn't afford the home, so they concocted an elaborate scheme to get out of the sale to try and have this lawsuit and get money back from the Woods family. Or, there's, so these are there's multiple theories, or that Derek was cooking up some kind of an insurance fraud, or that they were angling for a movie deal. That's what people started saying in the town. Despite the fact that the Broadduses received several offers and turned it down, and then Lifetime eventually made a movie about them called The Watcher, despite a cease and desist letter from the Broadduses arguing that, first of all, in the movie, the couple is biracial, and in the movie, the letters are signed, The Raven. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, and then like, the evidence that people used to back up this theory was that the family must be in financial trouble. And how had they, over the course of 10 years, upgraded from a $315,000 house to a $770,000 house to this $1.3 million house? So they're like, something shady must be going on. Derek was like, that's a fucking American dream. I'm working my right. way up the corporate ladder. Right. When I think about what our first house costs compared mm-hmm. to our second house that we bought two years later, well, and yeah. we sold our first house for more. Right. You if, know? if I thought you were going to say 300,000 to a million, that would have been weird. Yeah. But like, oh, there's a house in between. Like, it's totally conceivable and that I guess they saved like, up enough down payment and sold their house for more. And right? like, and that he became a vice president, so he started making right. a lot of money. Right. Um, and I guess another thing that they said, I read in another article from someone who made a podcast who thinks it's a hoax, which I was just like, you're so Oh, stupid. really? Yeah. Um, but like they based it on like the sort of limited info from 2015 as opposed to the more extensive info that's come mm. out now, I think. Um, they had they had like 10 mortgages or something like that over the years. But what it looks like is that as the financial collapse happened in 2008, they refinanced multiple times to get lower interest rate. Oh, Cause okay. you know, like we, we refinanced yeah. this house when the interest rates went way yeah. down at the beginning of COVID. So like interest rates kept going down 2008, 2009, 2010, they refinanced multiple times, mm. which like makes perfect financial right. sense if you're right. going to do that. So that was like their evidence. 
A few weeks after the letters became public, the Westfield Leader, which is a newspaper there, published an article in which anonymous neighbors were quoted asking why the Broadduses kept renovating a home that they were never planning to move into, or questioning if they'd even done that much renovation at all. And the leader even cast doubt on Maria's commitment to her family's safety, citing as evidence the fact that she had a public Facebook page with a photo of her kids on it. So, like, Mm. you can't possibly be be worried about your children's safety because there's a, f- a public photo on Facebook oh, with them man. in The paper did note that the police had tested Maria's DNA and it didn't match the fucking envelope. But after well, they also, if they the were bus. too poor to live in the house, then how would they have been able to afford how the mortgage they, exactly. and the renovations well, that's that they like were doing? the biggest thing in my mind, which says they absolutely did not make this up. This was not helpful to them. Like this put them in a really difficult financial spot for many years where they were paying a mortgage and property tax on a house that they weren't living in. And they couldn't sell it because they brought this. They couldn't sell it. Yeah. It's not like they made it like a murder house and you know, like true crime. Exactly. And they didn't want that. Right. Like they didn't Mm -hmm. want the notoriety. Unfortunately, at this time, I guess because they'd been advised that the best PR move was basically just to not comment. So they were just silent and the rumor mill just went crazy. Sean Bliss, the detective, said that even some of the cops thought it was a hoak. Some of the Westfield Police Department cops. And um, there were even more. (laughs) This is a really great quote from the cut. Here were even more skeptics online. This is a quote from someone. I live in a neighboring town. If these letters had been happening for a while, there is no doubt in my mind that it would have been made public way before this. Lord Fluffernutter said on Reddit, this screams scam. (laughs) Okay, thanks, Lord Fluffernutter. Thanks for your opinion. You know everything. (laughs) What a fucking idiot. Maria was especially brokenhearted by all this because, like I said before, she grew up in this community. This was her hometown. Like she lived. And people are doubting her that much. Derek, Derek basically summarized what I think is true. He said, there's a natural tendency to say, I've lived here for 35 years. Nothing's happened to me. What happened yeah. to my family is an affront to their contention that they're safe, that there's no such thing as mental illness in their community. People don't want to believe that this could happen in Westfield. And I think yeah. that's true. You know, it's totally true. There was also comment from some neighbors that they are worried about the stigma on the community and about how it would affect their property values. Oh, 100%. Totally. Um, As just complete side note, have you ever heard about the murderer John List before? Hmm, that sounds familiar, but I can't tell you a thing. His whole family, his wife, I think it was two kids, and then like fled and and got away with it for decades and like started a new life. No, I have not heard about this. It's really good. Uh, I mean, oh God, no, it's really bad. (laughs) It's my favorite. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm learning. I am ever learning. Yes, we are not perfect. (sighs) Well, speakers. I mean. I'm an imperfect person. In I'm, I'm perfectly imperfect. imperfect. Yes. Um, it's a fascinating story how this guy got away with it. He he was like in well, you'll just have to financial cover it. trouble. Yeah, I will. Don't day. ruin it. Okay. So this happened in Westfield also. Oh, shit. Yeah. So they're not what years? What time. years was that? Oh, I feel like maybe the 60s. Oh, so like a long, a long time They'd ago. like finally cleared their reputation. Yeah. Maybe the it was news later had died down. Maybe it was. It might have been like but the it, 70s. But at still, least it like was, not recent. Yeah, no, it, yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't recent. They were back to their Mayberry dreams. Yeah. And now they, but these funny people were threatening to ruin Maria it. talks about like growing up, her mom being like, you know, telling her about that and how like you need to be careful uh, because it's not safe. So it's just kind of interesting. Um, 
so basically now the Broadduses are outcast. They lost their home. They really lost their community. Derek wanted to leave, but Maria was like, we're not going to do that to the kids and uproot them from the only life that they ever known. She said, this person took so much from us. I wouldn't let them take more. Two years after the Watcher's letter started arriving, they borrowed money from family members to buy a second home in Westfield using an LLC to keep the location private so that they could live there instead of fucking like house hopping from family member to family member. But they talked about how stressful it was staying in town. Maria talked about um, letting her daughter go to the pool with her friends for the first time and how she was just staring at the tracker on like her daughter's iPhone the entire time she was gone. And... One of their kids was in um, in the cl- class at school where they were learning about debate. So they had to debate whether or not a family from a book that they were reading should move to Westfield or not. And one of the pros from the kids saying, yes, they should, was that it's a really safe place to live. And after the class, um, one of the other kids in the class walked up to the broadest kid and said, my parents told me that no matter what your family says, Westfield is safe. <gasps> Just like horrible. What horrible people. Right. So at this point, spring of 2016, lawsuit against the woods is still pending, but it's looking like it's really not likely to succeed. They're trying to figure out what to do with the house. They explored renting it out to the VA to be a veteran's home. They started exploring renting it out to a company that runs halfway houses. But were they not getting letters anymore? I don't think so. I think they hadn't. So in, it, they hadn't in a couple of years. It just had too much negative Yeah. I think energy. they were just like, we can't. It's too much. Yeah. It's too terrifying. It's too, like, too much of a violation. doesn't feel safe, mm. you know? So they decided, since so many people, after the news broke, had been like, I would move in. I don't know what they're talking about. They were like, oh, we should just relist it again. So they, oh, yeah. they relisted the house. The open house was packed. And afterwards, they, they had, like, a sign-in sheet. They went through the sign-in sheet and compared the handwriting of every oh, person genius. to the envelopes. Um, they had a lot of interest, but each time a potential buyer expressed interest and met with their lawyer to read the letters, they would back out. So every single person who wanted to buy it when they read the letters in full were like, nope, absolutely not. This is too creepy. Yeah. So I wonder if there's even more detail that we still don't know that were in the letters, Mm -hmm. you know, that was like more personal. Derek said some cocky guy from Staten Island said, fuck it. I'm going to get a house at a discount. He reads letters and we never hear from him again. (gasps) That's how bad they were. So eventually their real estate lawyer suggests that they should try and sell the house to a developer and that they could subdivide it and split it into two lots. And if that were the case... tear the house down? And tear the house down. (gasps) If that were the case, they could get a million dollars per lot, I guess. Like that's the the going rate or whatever. Um, I guess that happened a lot in this community because like we know, you know, the the demand is so high and the supply is so Mm -hmm. low. So... um, the lots are plenty big, right? It's a big lot. They could definitely fit more houses on it. Unfortunately, the lot was just a little bit too small so that once it was oh. divided, each lot would be about three feet too narrow. The city bylaw said that each house had to be 70 or each oh. lot had to be 70 feet wide. So basically, this is like a long drawn out thing, but the local community freaks the fuck out when they submit their application to subdivide and sell the lots. This is another quote from the cut. The application was jarring for the neighbors who had learned about the watcher from a lawsuit and had always found it strange that the Broadduses didn't share more information, not seeming to understand that they were following orders from the police and trying to protect their kids. A typical Facebook conversation went like this one. Mm. Sounds like this whole watcher thing was a ploy. The owners are good people, not a ploy. Okay, I know nothing about them. (laughs) 
like just the fucking classic shit and i think that's literally an example of a conversation Mm. one of their friends tried to defend them in these online forums and she started getting harassed and threatened by strangers oh my god fucking facebook warriors Mm -hmm. so very 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 long story short they had a four hour long city council meeting to decide whether or not to grant their application and after four hours of discussion and hundreds of neighbors showing up basically all in opposition it was unanimously rejected (gasps) so despite the fact that other properties had recently not met the 70 foot rule under larger margins they they rejected it maria said this is my town i grew up here i came back i chose to raise my kids here you know what we've been through you had the ability two and a half years into a nightmare to make it a little better and you have decided that this house is more important than we are that's really how i felt the priest who had the one who had blessed the house earlier Mm -hmm. said that after attending the hearing he could not believe how many people believed that the letters were a hoax and he said he felt that the human element of the story had been lost wow how sad finally they got some good news not long after the planning board said no um a family wanted to move in wanted to rent the house oh so they rented it out to a family they had grown kids so it was just the adults i think at home and they had two big dogs so they were like we can rent it the guy said that he wasn't worried about the watcher but they'd also written a clause into the lease that if another letter came they would be let out of the lease so two weeks later (gasps) Derek goes to deal with a squirrel issue in the roof and the new renter hands him an envelope that reads violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife Maria (gasps) it was dated February 13th which was the day that the Broadduses gave depositions in their lawsuits against the Woods family so these are some excerpts from this one but they didn't really they never released the whole of any of the letters but they shared some of them you wonder who the watcher is turn around idiots maybe you even spoke to me one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone good move i walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me i watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions 657 boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates my soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a t they carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 boulevard with my orders all hail the watcher (gasps) Mm -hmm. the renter was mentioned um, and he said that he was spooked by it, but he agreed to stay in the house if um, they installed cameras around the house. Which, hello? Yeah. Why the fuck Why did you not you do already? that from the get-go? So the letter indicated that revenge could come in many forms. It said, maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something oh, as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you feel fell sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet, loved ones suddenly oh. die, planes and cars and bicycles crash, bones break like what the fuck so this dude had been silent for a while until these new people until the new people moved in (sighs) obviously the family's also like spooked again and upset yeah but they were like this is fresh evidence that might help invigorate the investigation so derek took the letter to police headquarters detective looked at a neighborhood map and traced a circle around the 300 yards in diameter saying the watcher has to be somewhere in this and Derek drew one much closer he's like in my mind it's one of these 10 houses like it's got to wow. be this small you know area um the the person who wrote the cut article said that residents of the neighborhood had mentioned a teenager whose father had grown up around the corner and a man who sometimes walked around the neighborhood playing a flute 
And then oh. this is like the most compelling thing to me. What a weird ass neighbor. Right? Someone had also mentioned an elderly couple behind the house who'd been there for 47 years. The husband was the man that Bill Woodward had been had seen sitting in that lawn chair looking uh-huh. at the Bronx's house. One of their kids had married a man who grew up in that house, who grew up oh. in 657 Boulevard. And he talked about running around the house. And- mm-hmm. <gasps> mm-hmm. Weird. So that to me is like, um, do you want to look at that at all? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of sad. Um, I didn't write this part down, but I just remember reading it and I realized I didn't write it down. The The cut author talks about how a bunch of people in the neighborhood who had talked a lot of shit about the Broadus family online had received these letters defending the family, signed like friends of the Broadus family. That was basically like, you don't understand this happened, this happened, this happened. Um, how could you not like have compassion for your neighbors, blah, 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 blah. And so the author was like, asking Derek did you did you write those letters and he was like yeah I did it's not my proudest moment I didn't tell my wife like but I did go put anonymous letters in the mailboxes of neighbors oh, who've been talking those shit about letters. online yeah okay yes yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. so he like went around. it's so sad yeah that's really sad he said that this was like a cancer it just consumed their lives yeah you know they couldn't think about anything else even all totally. these years later it's like it's still all consuming mm-hmm. so to this day the mystery remains unsolved no idea who wow. who did it. And they still own the house? So, very thankfully for the Broadus family, they finally sold the house in 2019, but for $959,000. <sighs> so, all those God. years later, renovations, and they sold, and they oh took a huge God. loss. So Have they gotten any letters? I couldn't find anything online saying that they did, hmm. which I find really weird. I wonder if they hadn't done the renovations, which obviously that doesn't matter, yeah. but would he not have done that? Yeah. Was he like so pissed because they were renovating? Because the first letter showed up the or was postmarked the day after the first contractors were parked right. in the driveway. And he keeps talking about how they're ruining it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to wonder. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you your, what you think happened in a second, but this last thing is, I think it's cool. So they t- obviously took a huge financial loss when they sold the house, not to mention the fact that they were l- paying for it for years and years. Right. In the in the years that they had owned it from 2014 to 2019, they paid $100,000 in property tax on the house. Because oh. property tax is gnarly there. Like, yeah. it's like insane East compared Coast to has here. Some it's wild. Mm-hmm. And they asked for like a break from the city council or whatever. And they're like, no. Wow. Um, so the cool news, I think anyway, is that they eventually did sell the rights to the story, I think, to try oh. and recoup some of the financial loss. So this year, you know, Ryan Murphy, the guy who makes American Horror Story? Yes. He has a Netflix miniseries coming oh, out about this story. Shit. Yeah. Which <gasps> I didn't realize cool. that until no. like later today when I was reading about it. Um, Naomi Watts is playing the mom. Oh. Yeah. It's like a star studded cast. Amazing. Um, so it's going to come out, I think, later this year. Wow. And so, it's, it's going to be, it's not like a documentary. It's like a, no, yeah, a yeah, reenactment. Yeah, like a dramatization or whatever. Wow. Miniseries. Um, so I'm glad for them, honestly, in that way, yeah. because like they tried really hard to avoid all the spectacle and they were silent for so long and they lost a lot of fucking money on this house. Now they're like, let's get our, so they're like, okay, let's well, recoup it. like, yeah, we just lost so much money. We might as well. And I bet they made a good amount of money for selling the rights to that. Yeah. I hope anyway. I do too. So what do you think? Who do you think it was based on? Well, I guess the Michael guy seems very compelling, mm-hmm. but I'm also curious about the guy behind them in yes, the lawn me chair. Too. But would and he, he be, has a tie I mean, to the house. Right. 
I was going to say, would he be so obvious as to sit in a chair that's facing their house? But, but like, he did worked. say, and he said, turn around, idiots. Yes. Like, look behind said, you. Turn around. And that's where the chair was. Yeah. So I don't know. I know. I it's, thought that was funny, too. It's very odd. Um, um, do you think it was a hoax? Oh, no, definitely no, not. No, I do either. not think it was a me hoax. Me neither. Why would you inflict that upon yourself? And well, like, it also, didn't bring if, them anything good. Right. And if you couldn't afford the house... I mean, just I know that they they give mortgages to people who can't afford it, but since the market crash, they've done that a yes. lot less. Yes. And so yeah. I don't think they would have been approved for this million dollar home if yeah. they couldn't afford it. And it's not like he was working the checkout at Trader Joe's. He's a senior right. vice president at right. an insurance company. So I'm pretty I sure am he's making a lot of money. Pretty surprised that the community didn't rally around them more, considering she was from there. Right. You know, you'd right. think that, but but I think what you said hit the nail on the head that. They can't fathom that that yes. would happen in their community yeah. and that their yeah. kids could be in danger. Mm-hmm. So it's easier mm-hmm. to put the blame on the Broadduses. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that sucks. That just that really was. sucks. Yeah. Like, so shitty. I wish there was a happy ending in which we could be like, I, I choose these stories a lot. There's no tying this one up <laughs> with a bow. This sucks. Well, I guess the happy ending is that they're yeah, still they together paid. their kids are fine their they family survived money. it yeah they mm-hmm. survived it and mm-hmm. they they still lived in the town she wanted to i don't know if they still want to live there but they do and they probably have a beautiful home and be like, get me the fuck out of here these people suck. yeah fuck this place yeah. yeah like the sort of abuse from the neighbors and the shittiness of the neighbors goes like even longer and longer online but i was like eh. You get it. They suck. And you know how vile Reddit can be. As much as I love it, it can also yes. be a very vile place. The internet is a horrible and wonderful place. It is. Yes. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it is like, what does Peter Parker say? Um, with great with power great comes power great comes responsibility. Great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people who designed the internet yes. would follow Peter Parker's rules. Right? Now we have fucking Elon Musk and buy Twitter. I'm like, great. <laughs> That's going to be better. That'll definitely be better. We're all fucked. No We're matter s- what. No. Yep. <laughs> Oh, are we going to delete our Easy Bake Coven Twitter? We don't really use it. So, actually, we've never tweeted before. I don't think we've tweeted one. <laughs> Take thing. that, Elon Musk. That's our statement. We knew you were going to buy it, so we preemptively were making a statement. Didn't do a thing. <laughs> oh man. Uh, on that note, should we have something a little sweet? Yes, please. So since I'm on the road oh, yeah. Shit, I and I don't this. have an easy bake oven, nope. <laughs> um, I decided to make a little mug cake <gasps> yes. and then cut it out like little cakes. Oh my God. Adorable. Aren't they cute? Oh my God. That's so cute. So I'm sure people have heard of mug cakes before. Yeah. You just put shit in a mug and then put it in a microwave and then put some frosting and sprinkles on it. Satan's greatest invention. Yeah. This Mm -hmm. is just a little yellow cake with frosting and it's very basic. It's so cute. (laughs) And because I'm at an Airbnb, I just bought a boxed cake mix and made it happen. (laughs) Love it. The number of easy bake oven recipes I find online that it's like mm -hmm. chocolate cake mix. Buy chocolate cake. Like, mix it up. Put it in your pan. Mm-hmm. I'm like that—that's not a recipe. I know how to. That's do not that. real. I don't. You don't need to make a recipe online to tell someone to use. Yeah, you don't need a to box tell me that, that has the instructions on it. Yeah. So when you're an Airbnb and you need a little sweet thing, Love that's what you can do. It. Yeah. Actually, so. that's a good idea for me. Just like 
you know, I like having a daily dessert. Oh, I do. I, I mean, I don't blame you. So I'm like, oh, that's Who a good doesn't? one. That's a, it is a good, good one. one. When I went to Santa Fe, I made a batch of my marshmallow, my Lucky Charm Rice Krispie Squares to take with me on the airplane. Oh, I thought you meant you made them in Santa Fe. No, no, I was I like, made that before is and I took commitment. Them with me. <laughs> oh my God. I, no, no. I'm committed to junk food. I love junk food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So while I'm eating these and you're not... <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to make myself a dessert after we stop. Good. Uh, I found a very recent missing woman, a story that was just posted 23 hours ago. Oh, shit. That is recent. Yeah. And it's in Sacramento, California, which is the state you were just in. It's Disney World. Yep. I don't know if Sacramento was anywhere near where you were. Much further north, but. So, no. (laughs) It's all relative. I was relatively much closer than I am currently. Than you are now. Yeah, exactly. So this Sacramento woman, her name is Leslie Ben Esau, mm-hmm. B-E-N dash I-E-S-A-U. Mm-hmm. She was last heard, her family last heard from her about two weeks ago when she was getting ready to go meet someone off of a dating app. No. I know. Don't trust anyone on the internet. We've gone over this. Never. Including us and mm-hmm. anyone literally no yeah don't trust anyone her sister Condaria oh, alexander said every day it feels like there's another moment that something could be happening to her our family is just breaking down we can't eat we can't hard to sleep every second i feel like who knows where she could be it's just so scary oh, she told me there was somebody on the way to come pick her up and she would keep me informed she would keep in touch and let me know and that's the last i heard from her said her other sister caroline oh my god and that was on april 15th they learned on Tuesday from her phone provider that there was no activity on her cell phone since April 15th at 8.45 a.m., which I don't know if that was the date. Was that was she about to go on a morning date or like was was oh, it was the morning the after? Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, man. Um, her sisters told the news that she was getting ready to go out on the date from OkCupid. Okay oh, God. The free one. <laughs> yeah. And someone said, her sister said, if anybody uses the site OkCupid, I would like them to reach out if they have any information on a person that goes by the name of B, B-E-A. That would really help out my family or call the Sacramento Police Department. So I'm not sure if she was a lesbian and if she was seeing women on the Uh site. Or if there was a man named B. B is if, I know women that are named B, so I'm assuming. Yeah, I only have known women. Um, But let's not forget that women can be murderers and serial killers too. So it's very likely that she could have... Yeah. still been you know abducted mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. but her family said that she does have mental health issues mm. and her mother first became worried um when she wasn't responding to text messages i said that was very unlike her she would always have at least had her phone turned on and she wasn't responding to anything and most disturbing is that her birthday was on saturday oh, no. and they always celebrate family birthdays and her mm-hmm. phone was off so when she didn't respond on her birthday, they knew that something was really wrong. Oh, man. They described her as loving, trusting person who's full of life, and they wanted to know that they're searching for her. Her sister Caroline said, Leslie, if you're watching this, if you see this, know that we are looking for you. We love you. We want you to come home, and hopefully you're safe, and we'll see you soon. So if I'm anybody sorry. has any information, co- contact the Sacramento, California Police Department. Um there's not really any more information. They, I mean, there's. We'll post a picture of her, but they don't have. It's it's really new, yeah, so they don't yeah. have information about you know her look any specifically, or if she has tattoos, or, like or yeah, that. people of interest, or anything like that. So, hopefully, she's okay. And mm-hmm. y'all know I'm not is, victim blaming, and I never would. But do not go no. meet people from the internet. 
do not let Mm-mm. them pick you up from your house no whoever this creep is that has taken her it's 100 percent their fault i do not mm-hmm. mean to say that right like, you know you stop rape by right pr- by like, not you know not having people. rapists yeah but at the same time especially as women we are vulnerable to this mm-hmm. do not meet someone from the internet and get in their car no just don't do it no even if they're today really beautiful. today i was flying my drone for work <laughs> and I had texted you where I was. I was uh-huh. like, I don't want to get murdered. Uh-huh. But I left that parking lot where I texted you from, and I went to another parking lot where there were like some RVs parked. Uh-huh. And so I flew, I flew my drone from there, and I was like, what if someone comes out of one of those RVs? So mm-hmm. I turned on the car and I flew the drone from in the car, yes. so that if anyone were to come, I could just you take just off and I say, "Fuck it. the drone, I don't I care." Really <laughs> so you could just fly the drone along with you while you're driving. Yeah, I, car. I could. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you got to think about those things. So I was on the last ferry home at 1 a.m. today oh my god i hate and, that um it's never happened to me before i've never mm. been on the 1 a.m. ferry i don't think maybe back in the day when i was a young and not since i've been an old maid yeah. and um and i i drove rosie i drove my truck to the ferry <laughs> so i was like please fucking let this truck start <laughs> at 1 40 in the morning and um i had to walk all the way up to the upper lot with my suitcase my little roller suitcase and it's Mm. so loud and i was the only pedestrian on the whole ferry oh god and i'm like i'm gonna be murdered right now yeah my mom sweet angel stayed up because she was so worried oh like text me now text me now text me now and then I get up to the very upper lot, right? And there's like RVs parked in there. And you know oh, there's a lot of people no. on Vashon who live in RVs. Yes. And I'm not going to make a generalization that someone who lives in an RV is more likely to kill you. But I just see the RV and I know that there's a person in it. Yes. As opposed to another car parked yes. in a lot that I suspect mm-hmm. there's usually not a person in. So I'm like fumbling with my keys. And I'd never locked my truck before because I never parked it anywhere before. Right. So I had locked it. So I'm like trying to figure out how to which unlock key is it. it? Yeah. yeah, like which key is it? Because there's four keys on my key. Right. right. And then I start her and like she needs time to warm up, especially yeah. when she's been outside You're for like, multiple days. You're like, let's go, girl. Let's so like, go, girl. Come on, Rosie. Come on, Rosie. <laughs> I'm like trying to lock the doors. I'm like, come on. I start driving. I start going up the, the hill. She quits. I'm like, no. Oh, like, Please no. just let this be that she wasn't warm enough yet. Please just let this be. So then I stop i like you know i don't have power steering so i'm like reversing back oh into you know the car's not yeah. she died start her again okay she starts i just let her run for like four or five minutes and yeah. then go up the hill really slowly don't pass a single car the whole way to Vashon oh, town and i was almost out of gas so i was like i'm gonna get gas on the way home just in case yeah smart and um i'm just driving with my hazards on because my my brake lights and my turn signals don't work. Right. I'm just like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Like, could this day have gone any worse? No. Whatever. She's running. So I pull into the gas station, into the um, Williams heating one. Yeah. And there's like no one else. I do not see a single car. Then all of a sudden this truck comes. No. And then sees me, slows right down and pulls in right behind my truck. And it's two guys in this truck and it looks like they live in it. It's just full of shit oh, everywhere. Oh my like, God. Full of shit. It's, it's like 1.50 in the morning. And oh they just God. park behind my truck and turn their truck off and they don't move. They just watch me. And there's other pumps. Yes. Yep. Oh yep. my God. And I'm just like, fuck, 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 fuck. I just put my cell phone in one hand and I unlocked it so that if I needed to call 911 yes. really quickly, I could. Yes. And then I don't put that much gas in my truck because I don't drive right. it that much. Right. So I was like, 20 bucks, that's enough. Fine. That's fine. I just like put the pump up, like get in my truck, lock the door, turn it on and just start driving. I'm like, she's still warm. I just drove her here. Right. And like peeled out of there. And then their truck started moving and they turned the <gasps> truck on as soon as I started driving. But then they didn't follow me like that I could see. Like I just got out of there really fast. Right. Get the out. The only thing I wondered is like, is that the only diesel 
pump but from, oh, from my perspective like they were driving what looked like i don't know a ranger or an f-150 it wasn't like a super duty and I what are the chances that, that they're out at 1 30 in the morning and that they need to fill up their truck with diesel fuel right and i don't even you. know if that's a, the only diesel fuel right pump or if it even is that's just the only thing i could rationalize in my oh. brain but i just fucking like tore it down the street to get home but i didn't want to drive too fast and like fuck mm-hmm. up rosie you know she's right. temperamental right the whole right. way home i'm just rubbing the dash like rosie we're so close baby girl just Girlfriend, get me home you're good. You're good and then as soon as we came around the bend down into Docton, i was like okay it's fine if she breaks down now it's like a five minute walk fine. home i can make it home oh my like, god i've never been so happy to be in my driveway before so i got That's home so like a little scary. after two I couldn't sleep even though I was so tired because yeah, it was also so I'm an up. hour later because I've been in right. Santa Fe not right. like I fully adjusted but based on the right. time I woke up in the morning it was like after three in the morning yeah. for my brain but I was just like wired <laughs> I was just like <laughs> oh my god I was just like trying to do deep breathing <laughs> took my sleeping pill I'm, I'm alive like, no I'm one fine. got me all the doors are locked <laughs> Matthew's right here Nellie's literally laying on me Russ is in bed Russ We're is all sleeping fine yeah and then Matt left at seven o'clock this morning so now oh I'm home god. alone again and I'm like oh my god I did the same thing with my dad's truck when like you rubbing the hood yeah. because progressively through the trip, it would like, it was a diesel. And so I'd be Mm -hmm. driving up these hills and it would go and it would lose power. And so there was this one hill I was going up where it's like steep for a long ass time. Mm. It's like going right around the edge of this mountain. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm going literally 10 miles per hour because it can't go any more than that. And it's just boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, I don't know what I will do if it stalls on this hill because yeah, it's we'll be it's fucked. like it on the other side again. is like a cliff and oh, there's a I mean like it is God. the most exposed hill there could be and so I get up over the hill and I'm just I pulled over I gave her a rest and then I rubbed the, the dashboard and I was yep. like girlfriend we have been through a lot we could We've do driven it, please. 40 300 miles you've got 100 left to go please. we can, we can do, do it, it. <laughs> actually no she only had 43 left to go I was oh like Please, please, <laughs> I don't want much. There. Please, my dad was like, "What? Let's just leave it on the side of the road." I was like, "No, she's we gonna make can't it. do it. I can't leave she's her here. Gonna make it. We've leave no man behind. <laughs> We've come so far. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so those are our stress things. What's your one good thing? My good thing. My good thing. Oh my god, so much has happened since we last spoke. Mm-hmm. <gasps> we went to Disneyland last <gasps> week. Okay, Russell turned three since we last had po- is crazy. That right? Yeah, he's like a full child now. He turned three, and we went to Disneyland, and it was so great. Uh, he was an angel. Aww. He stayed up until ten o'clock every night. Oh His my bedtime god. is seven. What an what an amazing. Boy. Every time he started to crash, we're like you want some cotton candy? Let's just keep this going. <laughs> <laughs> I have a video of him at night. We were like about to leave the park. It was 9.53. Uh-huh. There was no ride for Mater's Junkyard Jamboree. Mater, oh. You know Mater's his favorite truck from uh-huh. Cars. from like, yeah. He calls it Lightning McQueen. Um, I'm like, Russ, do you want to go on Mater's ride one more time? He's like, yep. Yeah. So we go running on 9.53 p.m. He's laughing. I got a video of him oh. swinging around on this ride. 10 p.m. Crawls into his car, into his stroller, just passes the fuck out immediately. Like oh. mouth open, snoring. Oh, my God. Yeah. So every night he fell asleep in his stroller or in the car. Um, Just like he had so much fun. He was really good, especially Sweet considering boy. that it was like so yeah. out. And he's, he's got a pretty regimented routine. Not that yeah. I'm like you know militant about it but just right. that like we don't really do much that yeah. veers from our routine right right um 
and I got to see one of my best friends, Amy. Oh. Um, and you met her when we were in yeah. Sonoma. Yep. Mm-hmm. I got to see Amy and her husband Tim. Um, we spread some of Stella's ashes. Yeah, I in love a few different that. places. So yeah, nice. that, like we used to take her to. So that was really nice. Um, and it was like a beautiful day. You know, we spent yeah. some of her ashes in the ocean where she used to go frolicking. So that was really good. Aww. Rode bikes around. We yeah, it was just like. Yeah, it really, really it was fun. just good you know like it's like okay it could have been a couple of days longer that would have been nice but like, yeah nothing went wrong everything was right, really good right. everything was really good yeah so oh. also congrats to you for surviving three years of motherhood like you right? did it and you raised like a dope I ass kept kid him alive. yeah he's still living <laughs> and then some and th- well he's con he's currently <laughs> vomiting but you know <laughs> you know details <laughs> otherwise thriving other yeah. than this week little hiccup thriving <laughs> thriving mm-hmm. oh what's your dude. good thing my good thing well I have like a few good things um that are kind of all the same is that I'm here for work this week and I got to see my cousin Taylor yesterday I'm seeing my friend Margo tomorrow and Mm -hmm. I'm seeing you and Russell on Friday yes I didn't say it because I figured that'll probably be my good thing next week well you can use we can recycle it (laughs) but I'm just so excited it feels so nice to see people and to be I feel Mm -hmm. like I can appreciate Washington in a different way, totally. to, like working and visiting here, you yeah. know, like, yeah. of course I've always loved Washington, but like, I just, it feels fun to be back here and totally. it's also weird to be here, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I would just, I just was here I and then I moved, but I I'm back here yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it's nice and, um, yeah, I just feel blessed to have work here and to, totally. get to see my friends and people. We're happy and, about it. Yeah. So that's my good thing. so good so many good things also like you finished your insane long drive you made it there safely it's like there's so much that's happened since Uh, not a big life thing ben and my dad are like nestled together in alaska and ben will be like i just made cookies and i brought rick some (laughs) and i'll be on the phone talking to ben and they'll be like eating dinner together like they've they've had each other over to eat their houses Ah, for dinner i love that and i'll i'll be like oh you guys are eating dinner okay love you and then they'll both be like love you love you (laughs) Like, oh, it's me. These are my men. That's adorable. All my men are together. My My dog, Mulder, my dad, and Ben. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so everything is good. We're happy. We're thriving. And, you know, yeah, it's all good. 31, flirty, and thriving. Yeah, that's how that goes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you should tell us your good things, listeners. Uh, send us an email, Easy Bake Coven oh, Pod. Or wait, the Easy Bake Pod at gmail.com. Yep. Or, uh, in inst- or slide into our DMs. Ooh, yes. Hey Easy Bake Coven Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we have? Yeah, tell us good things. Yeah, tell we us We have your Twitter, good but we're not using it. Fuck you, Elon yeah. Musk. <laughs> Stop hoarding wealth. Honestly, fuck Twitter before Elon Musk. Like, Twitter is just fuck a the garbage internet. hole. Fuck oligarchs. Yeah. All of it, man. <sighs> fuck, fuck a lot of things yeah yep. <laughs> um but tell us your creepy things we want to hear that yep. we want to hear your stories we want to hear if you like us go on and rate us wherever you get your podcast oh, we yeah, would yeah, love yeah. that rating us is great uh, only rate Apple us podcasts. if you like us if you don't like yeah. us don't rate us i only want five <laughs> yeah five five stars star reviews. or nothing yeah tell us tell your friends tune in and thanks for listening after our week-long break yeah thank you for letting us have the respite of break we needed it we needed back it. back spookier than ever thrive oh jesus i just <laughs> i just hit a lamp <laughs> when you keep the hand gestures Four. to a minimum <laughs> knees and elbows uh, 
All right, friends. On that note, don't forget to keep it spooky. And make it sweet. Happy Happy haunting! haunting.